probably heard wonderful things about him. And when I met him, I knew that this was one special person. He was the one that said, we will have the Antiochian women. And that is the name we are known by, and we have been known for 35 years. said, okay, I'm, we're going on vacation the same week. What do you want to do? I said, no, I want to go to camp. We tried the, to uh, greet him formally, taking his hand and kissing it, and pleasure to meet you, your eminence. And he wouldn't allow for that. He grabbed us and embraced us and kissed us and asked us our names, and our relationship started from there. That was uh, August 1974. About a century ago, hundreds of thousands of Lebanese and Syrian people, driven by the horror of tyranny, social injustice, oppression, hunger, and despair, heard the voice which Abraham had heard, get thee out of thy country and to a land that I will show thee. One thing that we, many people, have no knowledge of is how the immigrants came to this country and planted the seed of orthodoxy. And uh, uh, they are, they are termed in, in, in my lexicon as, a, as real heroes, heroes of orthodoxy people that came from the villages and the cities. No Nearly 400 years of the Christian population in the Middle East had been overrun by the repressive foreign domination of the Ottoman Empire. For the Lebanese and Syrians, immigration seemed to have become their only solution to rid themselves of constant warfare. So our grandfathers, and our great-grandfathers, and our great-great-grandfathers, and in some cases our great-great-great-grandfathers, began to look westward. And between the 1860s and 1890s, Lebanese and Syrians came to these shores in the hundreds every year, and by the 1890s, by the thousands. Entering the shores of Boston, New York, Chicago, and Montreal. Can't go. Can't go. 
By the time the Syrian Orthodox had set foot on these shores, the Russian church had already been here for nearly 100 years. They overlooked all the Orthodox communities, and by 1895, the Syrian community was growing bigger within each year and proving to need their own bishop. Our church, all the churches were under the Russian. Raphael Halloweeni was under the Russian church, and Raphael Halloweeni traveled this North American continent establishing churches. And he wrote and he translated and he produced the Word magazine and he did so much. An incredible job. By 1905, six Orthodox communities were established, and by 1915, 24. After Halloweeni's death, unfortunately, the Syrians began to unravel. All the work that he had put into pulling the Syrians together began to fragment. It's just that unfortunately after his death, after the, after the, the World War, uh, so much was going on, cultural upheavals, and the fall of the Soviet, the, the fall of Russia, the rise of communism, the, uh, the destruction of the Russian church, there was a call for all the ethnic churches to return back to their mother churches. As while he was a unifier as a person, the North American Christians of Antiochian heritage were divided in their loyalties between Antioch and Russia. For 60 years, bishops, metropolitans, and even two patriarchs would try to unify the Syrians as Halloweeni had. Torn between those who wished to stay with the Russian church and those who wished to return under the patriarchate of the Antiochian church were torn and divided. Until... المسيح ولد فمجده المسيح أتى من السماوات Born in a village 15 miles east of Beirut to Father Elias and Mother Salima, young Abdullah Saliba lived in Abu Mizan, a small community whose life was their church. قصة دخول الكنيسة قصة طريفة جدا أنا منذ منذ صباي يعني منذ طفولتي كنت أحب الترتيل الترتيل في الكنيسة Just two miles outside of Abu Mizan was St. Elias Monastery Patriarch Alexander III would visit St. Elias every summer and in the year that Abdullah was barely 14 he had a chance to meet the Patriarch and make quite the impression on him. So from 1945 till 1947, young Abdullah was a student at Balaman Theological Seminary in Tripoli, and it was during those years that he would meet his lifelong friend, Antun Khori. After Balaman, school remained an important part of young Abdullah's life, fueling decisions on which part of the world he would live in next. In 1953, four years after being ordained deacon and given the name Philip, 
Deacon Philip Saliba traveled to Nottinghamshire, England, and attended Kelham Theological School, and the following year, the University of London. In January 1956, the young 24-year-old Deacon Philip enrolled at Holy Cross Greek Seminary, and in the fall of that same year, was assigned to his first North American parish as deacon at St. George of Detroit. In Detroit, he would enter Wayne State University and go on to graduate and receive a bachelor's in history. After his graduation, Philip was ordained to the priesthood and became a pastor at St. George Church, Cleveland, Ohio from 1959 till 1964. Father Philip Saliba, who was elevated to the priesthood by none other than Metropolitan Anthony Bashir, the Metropolitan of New York and all of North America, a man truly not to be forgotten in the history of our church here on this continent. يعني كانت الأبرشية تختصر تختصر برجل بشخصية مثلاً أنطونيوس لم يكن هناك سكرتاريات ولا ولا ناس يساعدوا المطران أنطونيوس بشير كان عاملاً لا يمل ولا يكل يعمل نهاراً وليلاً وكان يعتمد جداً على نفسه He was very successful as a priest in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio was a very tough parish. And he very quickly won the hearts and minds of the people there. And he brought them together, he pulled them together. Winning the hearts and the minds of his parishioners and keeping his doors open all hours of the day and all hours of the night was just some of the feedback that was heard by Metropolitan Anthony Bashir in New York. So in the early 1960s, Metropolitan Anthony approached Father Philip Saliba and prophetically advised him to pursue his education with the episcopacy in mind and shortly after he enrolled himself into St. Vladimir's Seminary. And while a student at St. Vladimir's Seminary, Father Philip Saliba would continue to do good work discovering a community in Yonkers, New York and helping establish a church for them with the aid of his fellow students at the seminary, St. Mary's of Yonkers, New York, was born. So you, you knew that this was a person that was not sa satisfied with the status quo. And if he was going to assume higher office, he wasn't going to do it because of either his name, his good looks, or his voice. He wanted, he, if he was going to assume higher office to fulfill God's destiny for him, he was preparing himself intellectually and spiritually to do so. And you just knew it when you met him. He was just different. After 30 years of his service as Archbishop of New York, it came to a surprise in the Archdiocese when in February 1966, Metropolitan Anthony Bashir had fallen asleep in the Lord. Only one day prior to the funeral, Father Salibo was requested to give the sermon. Though hesitant at first, he gave a sermon that would leave an impression on all those who paid witness. Even when he gave the eulogy at the Metropolitan Anthony's funeral, he did so with great aplomb, and he is a master of the Arabic and English, and he presented, a, let's say, a speech beyond speeches that tore open the hearts of everyone that he was addressing.
and only one month after the passing of Metropolitan Anthony Bashir were candidates beginning to be suggested, and many of Father Philip Saliba's contemporaries believed he was the most promising of all candidates and would do anything in their power to state their case. Our delegation went to the Middle East uh, during the summer and we visited every bishop and we spoke with the patriarch. We did our level best to present the case that the most qualified candidate to succeed Anthony Bashir was the priest Philip Saliba. When he received the overwhelming majority of votes, you cannot imagine all of us jumping up and down with joy. At St. Elias Monastery in Lebanon, where young Abdullah Saliba had once impressed the patriarch with his singing, 20 years on, that same boy was consecrated to Archbishop of New York and all of North America. <laughs> When Metropolitan Philip returned home, he was welcomed with open arms, and in the 1966 October issue of The Word magazine, it stated, we must do all we can to assist Metropolitan Philip with our active help and patient understanding. He is, after all, a mortal, and we want him to be our Archbishop for a generation to come. And just two short months after his consecration, Metropolitan Philip traveled our Archdiocese in an attempt to visit each and every parish on this continent. As Metropolitan Philip had noticed with the late Metropolitan Anthony Bashir, one man could not run the whole archdiocese. Therefore, he added 20 new departments to look over such elements as sacred music and media relations. These were just some of the elements included in the newly revised constitution that was released at the Miami Convention in 1969, ending its predecessor drafted 21 years earlier and launching our archdiocese into a modern and expansive era. During the travels that he had made in late 1966 around the Archdiocese, Metropolitan Philip had noticed that the youth movement of our church had become spiritually stagnant due to the influential characteristics 
of the 1960s. We got a lot of ideas from, uh, you know, university and from the different denominations that were starting to become very liberal with the use of guitars and, and drums and all these things that we brought from the college campuses. Taking little time to react to the conditions of his youth, in the turbulent 1960s, Metropolitan Philip began to create new programs for his teens to try to pull them back into the church. Sayyidina so Philip realized we were getting a little bit astray, so he, he harnessed all that youthful energy and, and optimism and vitality and he created the soil for us with all our spiritual advisors to really channel us in the proper direction. You know, all these contests that he started, the oratorical and the creative arts and the essay, were helping in the Bible Bowl, we're all helping our young people to learn about their faith. He created Teen Soil because he saw in the youth the vigor that the church needed to, to keep growing. That without the freshness of youth, even the rebelliousness of youth, that how could the church uh, confront and address the 21st century that was looming ahead? He became a pipe piper for the young kids in this archdiocese because they saw in him a youthful uh, bishop who would understand their joys and their agonies, the problems of the war, the problems of the Middle East, all the issues that they were going through. He did not stand as a righteous judge, but rather as a loving father. In the early 1970s, at a preliminary session to organize a national orthodox women's movement, Metropolitan Phillips said these words, If you are teaching in our Sunday schools, singing in our choirs, and keeping the parish offices afloat, if you can do all this and more on a parochial level, you can certainly do an excellent job on the national level as well. With so many people in this world, we have to reach out with the gospel with our many projects designed to help those in need. Who could do a better job of leadership in these matters than you, Orthodox Christian women? Bishop Philip Saliba, he, he helped us. He uh, called the Antiochian Women of Montreal. He's the one that uh, suggested that we, uh, we call the, the, uh, the women of St. George Antiochian Women. In the late 60s and early 70s, we had good women trying to have programs, but we did not have any unity. So Sayyidina Philip established the Antiochian women. We have a bylaws and constitution, and he brought together all the, the fragmented groups who wanted to ha have some cohesiveness, but we didn't have direction. Oh, they're a very strong arm to the church. The women uh, have had great impact. They. Uh, they all volunteer their work and uh, in many ways uh, just keep this, uh, this whole church uh, together, uh, work with the parish council in order to put on certain events to raise funds uh, for the church and uh, basically uh, it's been a privilege to be working with them for over 30 years. Sayyidna Philip always says to the women when he comes to our meetings, you are the heart of the Archdiocese. So I'm proud to represent the Antiochian women who uh, celebrate 35 years under Sayyidina Philip's wonderful leadership and vision. Thank you, Sayyidina Philip. In 1962, 
One of St. George of Montreal's former pastors, Father Michael Shaheen, was consecrated to be auxiliary bishop to Metropolitan Antony Bashir, but later separated and became the successor to the late Metropolitan Samuel David as head of the Archdiocese of Toledo, thus continuing the division between Antioch's children from the time of Bishop Hawawini. Father Michael of St. George, Montreal, only a child at the time, would have been one of the many children who were growing up in disunity from their brothers in New York. I met Metropolitan Philip at the 1974 Archdiocese Convention in Montreal, the Queen Elizabeth Hotel. At the time, it was a little humorous because my mother said to us, come on, I want to introduce you to the bishop. And we knew Bishop Michael. Uh, that's the only bishop we knew. And so to meet a new bishop, it was uh, a bit surprising. وكانت ثقتي بنفسي كبيرة لأنني أريد وحدة الناس وحدة الأبرجية في توليدو مرة وكانت توليدو مركز المركز الأسقفي للمطران ميخائيل ميخائيل جهيل فقلت لأحد الكهنة اتصل به بالتليفون وقل له أن المطران في ليب يحب أن يزورك أتعجب هذا الكهن قلت له أسرع وافعل كما أقول لك اتصل المترشحين المترشحين قال أهلا وسهلا In 1975 however uh, thank God that all of them had the bigness of heart to put aside the past as he said either we bury the past or the past will bury us the time was fulfilled that he would and Metropolitan Philip would lay aside all issues, sit down man to man, and bring the churches together for the future of Antiochian Orthodoxy in North America. For many years, uh, we Orthodox uh, have been floating on the river of Orthodoxy. I have challenged my people this way. I said, it's time that we plunge into the depth because the gems of orthodoxy are not floating on the surface. They are deep down and we have to plunge into the depth if we want to really discover what the Orthodox Church is. In the early 1970s, Metropolitan Philip realized that people will donate money if they were told clearly what the money will be used for. I being the first chaplain uh, uh, at the order of Metropolitan Philip to help organize and develop the Order of St. Ignatius, which has become today one of the most vibrant organizations of any church in, in the world. One of the order's most proudest achievements is the Antiochian village in western Pennsylvania. Among the first to go to the village from St. George, Montreal, from 1980 till 1992 was Anna Koja, and the memories she made would stay with her over the years. If you heard a song that you heard at camp or anything, or a particular smell maybe from the, uh, from the incense at church, you know, triggered something about camp. 
but uh, no, it, it gave me so much that I want to give it back. You know, I want other children to be able to experience the uh, the camping, the camp, you know, uh, camp life uh, through the through you know through the Orthodox faith, through our faith, of course. This article issued in the Word magazine at the end of 1978 was a first glance of what was to become one of the most influential achievements of our Metropolitan. And since then, many improvements have been made to the grounds. Within the past 10 years alone, a new health center had been built, a new welcome lodge, dining hall, and much more, so that a new generation of campers can enjoy its grounds as its first children did. And that was very important for me, that's why for Catherine, it was very important for me to send Catherine. Uh, I, I got so much out of it, I'm hoping that she'd get the same, same things out of it, you know. And with the success of the Antiochian village, Metropolitan Philip planned on having something prepared for the parents as well. So in 1983, under the leadership of the late Ernest Sakley of St. Nick's, Montreal, a 50-room lodging facility was built just outside the entrance of the village. Doubled in size in 1990 and expanded again in 2003, today the Antiochian Heritage and Learning Center includes an indoor chapel, a heritage museum, a library, and more. And Metropolitan Philip was trying to stifle uh, his laughter as I was picking bread out of the hair of the bishop. I've had many funny experiences with him, many. And um, um, it's probably what uh, has also been a good part of our relationship is that we, we have a similar sense of humor. We're able to see uh, funny things and sometimes the craziest situations. Not only Archbishop of immense responsibilities, but a man with a keen sense of humor and a man who reaches out to other cultures. There were Anglican congregations and Presbyterians and Methodists and so forth, United Church, either church people or churches themselves who have united with Orthodoxy. And the openness of Metropolitan Philip was not displayed better than in the mid-1980s when other jurisdictions rejected their cries, Metropolitan Philip opened his heart and the door of archdiocese. And on February 8, 1987, the first chrismations and ordinations took place and by the end, some 2,000 evangelicals were converted and welcomed home. In October of 2003, Metropolitan Philip brought our archdiocese into a new millennium with a level of maturity which resulted in our self-rule status. Self-rule status is a recognition of the North American reality while maintaining its deep spiritual tie with the Patriarchate and Holy Synod of Antioch presided over his beatitude, Patriarch Ignatius IV. And with self-rule came the restructuring of archdiocese into nine separate dioceses, each of which having a bishop to help Metropolitan Philip govern over his flock.
with the elevation of these, the new bishops and the idea of self-rule was to prepare the church for eventual unification of all the jurisdiction in North America. What one can easily say is the most prominent dream of our Metropolitan, a dream which spans four decades, is his dream of establishing an Orthodox administrative unity with all the Orthodox jurisdictions here in North America. Going back as early as October 22, 1966, Metropolitan Philip was quoted in the Detroit News saying, We feel the sooner all Orthodox churches in America start using English, the better chances of achieving administrative unity will be. Unity is vital and Metropolitan Philip has been the foremost proponent towards Orthodox unity. We want to bring America home to Orthodoxy, and that can only happen fully and completely when the churches in North America unite together. Metropolitan Philip's vision of unity has spread across the globe to the Middle East and elsewhere. The Balaman Seminary and University, St. George Hospital in Beirut, the suffering Christians in Jerusalem, as well as his open heart to the Muslim community at home and abroad. All this and more have enabled him to touch the lives of people who he will never meet. One result of his grand efforts abroad was in 1969 when he received the Order of the Cedar. Over 40 years has passed since his legacy of achievements has pushed Archdiocese to grow to a size that would make our ancestors and all the clergy of our past so proud. We will not forget our sweet ancestry, the Middle East and the countries that set us free over a century ago. Engined by the sea over a century ago, engined by the sea. I think that uh, no other hierarch uh, in the history of our of our church in North America has touched the lives as 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 many people as he has. Here in this new land, we sing a quiet song. When everyone else is loud and screaming We can only pray one day our brothers will see We could be loud too, all it takes is unity Yes, we could be loud too, all it takes is unity Yes, we could be loud too, all it takes is unity for the future generations of our church, we can only hope that they will look back on him the way we look back on those before us and recognize all that he has done for our archdiocese and the history of our church here in North America. Mal